Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard, a little bit later than normal. And for good reason, I was trying to get you guys a little more information about the latest KJ Costello rumors that involve Mississippi State. I have been able to get some of that. There has not been an official declaration yet from K.J. Costello. We expect one. Uh, it is something that uh, I want to get into today because I think it's important that you guys kind of know what's happened, what I've learned, and uh, what we expect to happen. Paul Jones and I both have been tracking this story for some time now. And we began, I don't know, I, I can't speak for Paul, uh, but uh, got some texts last night that, hey, something was brewing with K.J. Costello that uh, he and his family made a decision and appeared to be favorable for Mississippi State. Work to confirm that. Get up today. There are already some message board posts over on jeansspage.com, True Maroon Forum. 
I think it was Brick Dog, Brick City Dog, that had uh, comments about he expected a decision today. So hats tip to him. Paul Jones and I both worked the phones, and uh, yeah, eventually get some information that we feel very, very good about. And the best thing about that is we're getting that independently. It's not like we're both speaking to the same person and just hearing the same thing from one person. I have spoken to some folks that know KJ Costello from his initial recruitment, some people that have followed his career very closely, that have shared that they expect KJ Costello to sign with Mississippi State. Uh, needless to say, this is a difference-making decision for Mississippi State for 2020. And as I've shared on this show before, there have been many times that you brought quarterbacks in and you think, okay, this, this guy will lead to the next one. This will be the turnkey guy where people will see what's capable. Because here's, here's going to be the criticism on the recruiting trail this year, okay? People are going to say, enemies of Mississippi State will say, well, yeah, Mike Leach has done that before, but not at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's never been a throwing school. The state doesn't produce quarterbacks. It doesn't produce wide receivers. Shout out to Chad Bumpus and his mom. Uh, but, uh, you know, my point being is that that will be the negative recruiting angle that will be used to attack Mississippi State from people that are recruiting quarterbacks and receivers uh, with Mississippi State as a factor. So you bring in K.J. Costello, and then all of a sudden, Mike Leach is like, you know what, this is what we're going to do here at Mississippi State. That's what's going to happen. That's the uh, the way that the, the world works. So many of you would say, well, Steve, why would we go out and get a grad transfer quarterback? I mean, we have a very capable young man in Garrett Trader. We've got Will Rogers coming in. We've got Keaton Thompson. I remain a KT fan, and I want to make sure people understand that because a lot of times I don't think people fully appreciate that you can like everybody but like guys more than others. And I, I, when, I, when I say that I, I expect Garrett Schrader to start uh, the Egg Bowl, that's not a criticism of Keaton Thompson. You know what I'm saying? And so I think Keaton Thompson uh, will be a grad transfer quarterback and move on from here, not because of a lack of talent, but because his skill set does not match the brand of offense that we plan to run. And, and that's not a criticism of Keaton. That's just how things are. I mean, you would not have used, uh, you know, Peyton Manning to run the triple option offense, but not, and not because Peyton Manning's not talented. Not that Peyton Manning's not smart enough, but that the running element is just not a component of his game. And so I think every quarterback will go through the spring and they'll 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 benefit from it, whether they are the quarterback at Mississippi State or not. I think any quarterback that takes reps and gets feedback from Mike Leach this spring will be better for it no matter where they end up in the fall. But we go get a grad transfer quarterback because Mike Leach – wants competition at every position, every year, every season, every spring practice, every time we put the helmets and shoulder pads on and go out there, he wants competition. He does not want anybody to get comfortable and think that they can coast. And when you look at his track record and look at what he has done at some programs that have been very difficult to win at, that is what it requires. I shared back in 14 and 15 you know, when we when we were beginning to pay all this crazy money to Dan Mullen and Ole Miss was doing the same thing with you freeze, I think at State or Ole Miss, you probably have to overpay for a coach. I think you have to. 
just simply because of the fact you don't have a lot of the same natural resources that other programs do. You don't have the same financial wherewithal that other people do. So you have to kind of mortgage some things in order to, to get a head coach, because in order to, to win big, I think it's State or Ole Miss, you've got to be able to think outside the box. You've got to be a little bit different. And so now we go out and we get Mike Leach. We paid more for head coach we've ever paid. Dan Mullen worked his way up well into the uh, $4 million at plus range. Now we're, pay, we're starting Mike Leach off at $5 million. We Listen, we go back and kind of recalibrate things with Joe Moorhead, and we, we pay him, you know, in the twos, give him the opportunity to work up and, you know, into the threes. But I don't think that works for Mississippi State. I, I don't think if we want to win big consistently – we can do that. We, we tried it. It didn't work. And so now we go back to something else. We go out and we get the proven coach for really the first time. And, and I, I was talking to Mike Nemeth. Mike Nemeth, longtime friend of mine. Love Nemo to death. We talk daily, sometimes multiple times a day. He likens Mike Leach's hiring to the day we hired Jackie Sherrill. But it's been that impactful. And then when you couple the fact you hire Mike Leach, who's going to bring an exciting brand of football to Starkville. And then now it appears that he is going to be able to bring a former Pac-12 all-conference performer who has thrown for over 6,100 yards and 49 touchdowns and to run that offense in his inaugural season. Uh, that, that dog will hunt. I also understand for about six weeks, you can still have your, your season ticket renewal orders. You can turn those in. Before they, uh, before your seats go up for uh, sale to everybody else, might be time to think about that. It's an exciting day, and that's one of the things you know we talk about in our business. You know, we we had, we've had some things to feel good about. We've had some setbacks. But we've had some things to feel good about. You close out the month of November with a three and one record. You win the games that you should have won. You lost the game you should have lost. You keep the golden egg, you extend the bowl streak, and then we go out there and we didn't play well in the bowl game. We didn't. It was awful. It's awful. But yet we still managed to keep the recruiting class together, and if losing one player. But you had a great December signing. Then you go through a coaching change, and you're arguably the biggest winner of the coaching change. You know, a lot of people said that you know Mike Norville going to Florida State might be the best fit, and I like Mike Norville. I think Mike's a great coach. I think Florida State is uh, it's not the job that it once was, but I think Norville will do a good job there. But I don't know that that hire really moves the needle the way that Mike Leach going to Mississippi State does. So you've got the winning coach. You've got arguably the most interesting man out of all of college football now as the champion of your program. And now he's going to have an NFL bona fide prospect to run the offense. What, what's going on? Are we being punked? Do I need to look around here? Is Ashton Kutcher, you know, hiding in the left field lounge somewhere? I don't feel that way. But I, don't, I can't remember a time when I have been quite so optimistic about Mississippi State football. I, I, I will share with you back after we won the 2013 Liberty Bowl the way that we did with Dak Prescott, a healthy Dak Prescott, running the show, knowing what we had coming back for 14, we thought we could have a special year. It turned out to be more special than any of us had anticipated. 
it didn't end as well as it should have. We should have been able to win the Golden Egg and should have been able to win the bowl game. We didn't. But we look back on it, we had some unprecedented heights. But now when you look at this, because the doors are open for Mike Leach to talk to any quarterback in America, there is not a quarterback in America that would not take Mike Leach's phone call. When you look back at some of the quarterbacks Dan Mullen recruited, listen, Dan did a good job managing the room. There were times that we were a little bit we were a little bit impatient recruiting quarterbacks. But people m- maybe forget that we've got three four-star quarterbacks in the quarterback room right now. Three four-star quarterbacks in a room right now. But there were some quarterbacks that didn't really want to tackle that running component of the Dan Mullen offense. Yes, Tim Tebow ran it. Yes, Cam Newton ran it for a while. Yes, Dak Prescott ran it. Ran it. Nick Fitzgerald broke SEC records running it. But there are a lot of quarterbacks out there that didn't want to take that kind of punishment. But everybody wants to throw the football. Every quarterback out there wants to throw the football. So what do you do? You go get a guy now that is a proven, prolific passer on the Power 5 level. Pardon all that alliteration. And then when you can say, you know what? Yeah, we, we did it at Texas Tech. We did it at Valdosta State. We did it at Kentucky. We did it at Washington State. And now we're doing it here at Mississippi State. And then all of a sudden, your quarterback recruiting gets a whole lot easier. Some big things are happening, folks. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Very, very excited to have them on board again. Great people, great food, great price, great restaurant quality hamburger. Sometimes you just got to treat yourself. Go in, have a great hamburger, get the fries. I don't know that there's better portions anywhere in Starkville, to be honest with you. I don't know that you can go out and get that silver tray just filled to the brim with French fries and that nice big hamburger and feel better about life anywhere in the state of Mississippi than you can right here at Starkville's Bulldog Burger Company. Now with two locations to serve you right here in God's country on University Drive, and now in Tupelo on Gloucester. Go by, check them out. Have those hand-spun milkshakes to go for your dessert. You can bring those with you. And you know what you get home? You can put them in the fridge and have them for breakfast. Whatever you want to do. Great people, great food, great prices. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So there is some other recruiting news out there. I know you guys are aware Mississippi State hosted a handful of visitors over the weekend. Let's run some of that down for you. Mississippi State brings in Jamari Stewart of uh, St. Lucie West Sentinel High School there in Port St. Lucie, Florida. That's the same high school that Jamar Cheney came from. Uh, Jamari is a 6'3", 210-pound stand-up linebacker. And again, kind of the same vein as Montez Sweat, same body type. Again, not suggesting that he's going to be as good as Tez. Just saying when you look at him, that's what you kind of think of. Uh, Still a growing boy. Came in, had a great time. Mississippi State remains in a good position with him. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, let me just say, I I think the official visitors this weekend, I think State's going to get all those guys. Kyle Cass had a chance to speak to him, safety prospect out of Mississippi Delta Community College. Originally, Maddie Blunt High School there in Alabama. was an all-state performer there. Very, very, very excited about his opportunities in Mississippi State. He shares with me that he was told that the five, the five best defensive backs are going to play Mississippi State. And that the coaching staff told him that they believe with his potential that he very much has the, the possibility of coming in and being one of the top five defensive backs. And I don't think that's just recruit speak either. When you begin to kind of run down, you know, the depth that Mississippi State has returning, you could see an opportunity for a junior college to come right in. 
and, and be able to play. And there was some talk about Chris Moore from Virginia as a grad transfer guy. But I think having a junior college guy, if he can come in and acclimate this summer and have an opportunity to uh, to really get the defense down, I think he has an opportunity. He's 6'2", 195 pounds. So he brings a bit of a wallop. He played some at corner there at Mississippi Delta Community College. But when you look at the five, look at the who are the best five DBs? Let's run, let's run it down here. All right, I, th- well, I think we all feel really good about Jerry and Jones, Martin Emerson. I think Tyler Williams, a very good swing guy in the corner. I think you feel good about three corners right now. I think if we had to go play a football game tomorrow, we got three corners who have faced the SEC fire we feel pretty good about. But you can only put two of those guys on the field. Fred Peters played a lot at nickel last year after some injuries. Down the stretch, got a couple starts, played pretty well. Thought he had a pretty good egg ball. But that's a position that I think he's going to have to earn. Now, he'll have the benefit of going through spring practice and catching the eyes of a coaching staff. But I think you feel pretty good about that. Marcus Murphy, I think everybody would agree right now, the most athletic safety on the Mississippi State roster. When he plays, Mississippi State plays better. Simple as that. That guy can really play. Won a lot of games in his high school career. The guy's used to winning. Well, then you got C.J. Morgan, a guy that's given you an awful lot. And I, I think C.J. is giving all he can. But he's coming off a pretty major knee surgery, and he'll miss the spring. So you begin to kind of work through that, and you think, okay, well, who's behind him? Well, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, you've got some guys out there, Sean Preston, who played a little bit last year and, and you know, put in, put in some decent numbers. Landon Guidry, it's a guy that tore his ACL when he first got here. and he, Last year was his most extensive action since he's been on campus. But there's not really any proven depth in that secondary, especially at the safety position. And when State going to run five, going to run nickel defense out there, you're going to have five DBs on the field. And so at the very least, Kyle Cass comes in and gives you, is a depth guy in year one. Gives you an opportunity to rest some guys. And the way that we have been after people with safety and the injuries that we've had, it's smart to have a few of them out there because of the fact that we go through them. I've said for some time that we were pursuing an older safety, so I expect this to go ahead and happen. Rufus Harvey, Starville High School wide receiver. Rufus Harvey, a bit of a fan favorite. A lot of our local Starville posters over on Gene's page have been advocating for him for some time. Robbie Falk was a guy that first really talked about him a couple of years ago. That first top dog camp under Jim Moorhead, Rufus had a big a big day then, even as a sophomore. The, the, the concern with him was always going to be the size. Yes, he's explosive. Yes, he's quick. Yes, he's good after the catch. But is he big enough to handle the rigors of SEC play? Yeah, that kind of remains to be seen. But I guess the thinking is when you're going to have a wide receiver-friendly offense, you need as many of them as you can get, and why would you let a guy from your hometown get away? Uh, he did get offered over the weekend. He has not committed. I think that's going to be a signing day deal. And listen, nobody commits this late in the process. I mean, you really, it just rarely ever happens. You just wait and do it on signing day. You'll you'll tell the coaches and just make your public declaration then. But, um, you know, Rufus, a guy at 5'10", 167, a slot receiver all the way. And the slot receiver position in the Mike Leach offense is of paramount importance. You want to give that guy a middle field to work with. And this is the guy, too. Here's the thing about Rufus, too. If you miss a tackle with him, you're going to end up on Sports Center. That's how it works. Great hands, even better after the catch. And that's one of the things at Mississippi State that we have really lacked. Some of the times we're just doing good to catch the football. But you go get a guy that's used to making people miss in the open field and then racing everybody to the end zone. And, and listen, he's not a 4-4 guy. 
maybe a little more quick than fast. But when you're spreading the field the way we're going to spread the field, that's going to put people at a real disadvantage. So this makes sense for me. I think if you could have gotten a grad transfer, that makes you better this year. Rufus may not make you better this year, but could be better long term. I can get behind it. I can get excited about it. I mean, I, I, I can talk myself into this or out of it, but I think you know, Rufus Harbig is a guy that, uh, that fits. Khalil Benson's a guy that visited Indiana last weekend, two weekends ago, Mississippi State this past weekend. Uh, I understand very, very close with his mom, wants to share an experience with her. I just can't see him going to Indiana. I'll be shocked. Uh, I, I know that he was basically down the state in Ole Miss early on. And then got, you know, he coaching change. He kind of gets lost in the shuffle up there. Uh, and they, they, they told him, hey, we, listen, we're going to go in a different direction here. Uh, and so he reopens his recruitment and uh, and, and moves on. And, and that, listen, that's not a, a shot at Lane Kiffin, you know, but I do think it's one of those things, too, when you begin to look at when you come in initially and you start dropping in-state kids, those are the things that cost your relationships down the road, especially when you don't already have a lot of great relationships here already. Uh, but especially when uh, Isaiah Brevard, who was, I believe, the top prospect in the state of Mississippi for uh, 2021, is at the same high school as Khalil Benson. Uh, so I like this for a couple of reasons. Number one, Khalil Benson, I th- I think I think he is a guard or a right tackle. But I'm eager to see how Mason Miller will use him at Mississippi State. But you, I like that because we need – he's listed at 6'6", 305. We need those big, massive, long-limbed offensive linemen because we're going to be pass protecting 90% of the time. And then I like the fact, too, that this, again – Anytime that you can go in and get some kid that is connected to another kid that is going to be a bona fide SEC Power 5 type guy, that's a nice uh, byproduct of that recruitment. So, Jamari, still, I, I suspect that all four of these guys will sign with Mississippi State, barring some surprise. The one that I'm probably uh, the most on the fence about is Jamari Stewart. I think Khalil Benson, Rufus Harvey, Kyle Cass, I think that's done. And I think Jamari Stewart is probably done. But but if I had to pick one of the four to think, okay, this might not work out, it would be Jamari Stewart. Then when Spencer commits to Missouri over the weekend, and uh, not unexpected, matter of fact, I had crystal balled him to Mizzou. Uh, Dylan, one of those guys too, kind of a late bloomer. This is his first year playing offensive line. Saw him miss to be out them all-star practices. I didn't think he was great, but he's very intriguing because of his size. And one of the things that I liked about him is his willingness to take coaching and his willingness to ask for coaching. Jevin Banks was killing him in practice. And rather than get mad and rather than pout a little bit, he turns to his coach and say, Coach, help me here. That that first step is ridiculous. Tell me what to do. And, and in an all-star environment situation like that, a lot of times egos get involved. And I thought that showed a lot of maturity for this kid to say, you know what? Coach, I got to get better. Tell me what what do I do to combat that that move? And I respected it. And uh, so, I think there's a really good chance that, that if Marcus Johnson's offensive line coach at Mississippi State, Dylan Spencer is already a bulldog. But I go back to December. We had the opportunity to offer him in December. We chose not to. And I don't know if it's a Joe Moorhead decision. I don't know if it's a Marcus Johnson decision. I I probably would err more on the side. This is a situation where Joe probably decided to go in a different direction or probably wait the process out. We've had two out of three years now where we've had guys that we felt were big-time offensive line prospects, tackle prospects. We decided to not sign them in December and then lost them in, Jan- in, in February. 
And so the lesson learned in all of that is, especially in a state like ours, we produce a lot of guards. We don't always produce a lot of tackles. It's when you have an opportunity to sign a guy that is a true bona fide power five tackle, you need to go ahead and do that. You need to do it in December. Because what happens is everybody else has to address their needs and all of a sudden tackle is a premium position. You're going to have a lot more competition. Dylan Spencer was committed to Southern Miss, ends up getting offers from Missouri, Tennessee, and Mississippi State uh, in the final tally. And so, and ultimately you lose them, but you could have had them. You could have just beat Southern Miss. And there'd have been a few people that said, well, why are we offering this kid? But it doesn't matter once they get here. Once they get here and start playing, it doesn't matter who else offered them. But again, feel pretty good about what's going to happen on Wednesday. And then uh, we'll see what spots are available post-spring. State does not have a lot of room in the uh, overall limit. State again at 83 this year, currently at 82, counting to Scott Lashley because Scott Lashley's already on campus. He'll be announced as a signee on Wednesday, but he's already in class. So you have one spot left, and then you know there's going to be some level of attrition, and I understand there's at least one to two players that are already planning to move on uh, after the spring, and I'm not going to speculate on that. But so there is some of that the discussions are being had. So there'll be at least one we know that's going to be a grad transfer going somewhere else, but that's another conversation for another day. So State's got to find a way to get these other guys in. The initial counters is not the issue. It's the overall limit. So let's say you add K.J. Costello and then these four guys. Well, K.J. takes you to 83. That puts you with 87 guys expected to be here in August. So State's got to be a little careful with that. It has to be a plan in place because you can't get cute with oversigning when you're on probation and you have scholarship limitations. And so that's something that will have to be worked out in the coming days. You're supposed to be able to sign 83. I mean, supposed to have 83 on scholarship, and then you you get 87. You know, you, you got to make sure there's four guys that you know that are leaving in order to make that happen. And other people say, well, you know, Steve, it'll work itself out. And no, it can't work itself. You can't you can't just say, okay, well, we're going to go run this kid off. There has to already be some decisions that are that's be a plan in place. I don't know that a lot of our folks fully appreciate that, but that's that's the that's the reality of that. So, not expecting a lot of drama. We have been very fortunate this recruiting cycle with uh, pretty much things have gone to script, despite the fact that we have gone through a coaching change. You lose Benjamin Key. That is unfortunate, but that is part of the deal. That's part of it. The fact that State gets out of that and all you lose is really a two-deeper on the defensive line, especially on a year two where it, you had so many young guys kind of step up. I don't know how many snaps Ben would have had next year. Ben might have been a redshirt candidate. And so you lose him to Mizzou. Best of luck to him. Um, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I think Mississippi State needs some skill. I don't know that we needed another D lineman in the class. I think we did need, you know, a quarterback, and uh, we did need to get, you know, some skilled people. And I think we're doing that. Also of note, too, 2021 quarterback Daniel Greek, who was a Washington State offeree, commits to Mississippi State. State hosted a few guys, uh, juniors, over the weekend. As part of this week, this, this uh, visit weekend, that they they obviously had to pay their own expense. But uh, Liberty Christian High School in Texas, Daniel Greek, was a guy that was kind of leaning towards Washington State prior to uh, to Mike Leach making a move to Mississippi State. And so once he makes the move to Mississippi State, because Daniel Greek's interest was not in Pullman, Washington, and I don't mean it negatively, but he was in Mike Leach in that offensive system. So that is your 2021 quarterback. But here's the deal. State expects to sign two quarterbacks. Because of the expected attrition to the quarterback roster this spring, 
you're basically going to sign two quarterbacks for 2020 and two for 2021. Because you got Will Rogers on campus, you're going to add a grad transfer in KJ Costello, and then you're going to get Daniel Greek plus one. Now, Luke Altmyer, Starville High School quarterback, committed to Florida State earlier today. And congratulations to Luke. I think that's a good fit for him. I know Mike Norvell was the first to extend him a scholarship offer uh, a couple years ago. You know, Mike Norvell at Florida State. And so that seems like a good match. And so wish Luke the best. Ty Keys out of Taylorsville High School is talking about committing soon. What does that mean for Mississippi State? I think that kind of remains to be seen. There are not a lot of quarterbacks early on that are in a hurry to join a two-quarterback class. You know, Ty Keyes is a guy that's very, very talented. We all know that. We've all been following his career for a long time. He won a state championship as a freshman at Taylorsville High School. And so I think an early decision may not work well for Mississippi State. I know that Auburn was a factor earlier. I know Ole Miss is trying to become more of a factor. And so I don't know that State is necessarily trying to build urgency with him. I could see him committing somewhere else. Would love to have him in maroon and white, but I just don't see a lot of quarterbacks rushing to commit this early when there's so many other opportunities available if, if they're going to be the number two quarterback in a class. And that's not to say that I don't think Ty Keyes could beat out Daniel Greek. I don't. I think there's an open competition there. But this will be a two-quarterback class from Mississippi State. We're going, we've got to kind of retool the, the room there. And everybody's expecting, you know, probably a couple of these quarterbacks currently on the roster to transfer out. So let's say, for an example, it's, you're looking at 2021. Let's say that Keaton and Jalen Maiden both leave. Well, then all of a sudden, let's say Garrett Schrader elects to stay this year and, and Red Church or maybe he doesn't. Well, then all of a sudden next year, you, you would have KJ has moved on because he's only here for one year. And let's say you've got two guys that have transferred out this year. Then all of a sudden you've got Garrett Schrader, who would potentially be a redshirt sophomore. You've got Will Rogers, who would potentially be a redshirt freshman. And then you've got whoever we sign for 2021. And so you can understand why it's a merchant right now to uh, to get two quarterbacks in the class. I think it is pretty much, you know, pretty much understood that uh, the quarterback room at Mississippi State is about to undergo a bit of a transformation. I think everybody sees that. I want to remind you guys, too, that uh, Valentine's Day is coming up, ladies, and uh, I know that you want your man to smell delightful. You can do that by visiting our friends at Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. And, men, maybe perhaps you don't have a significant other. Maybe you're trying to lasso a significant other, so you need to have your cologne and personal hygiene game at its best. You can do that by visiting them, again, at Hawthorne.co. Take the quiz. Because there's never been a class where anybody's kind of sat you down and said, hey, listen, here's how you buy cologne, or here's what works well for you. Everybody's chemistry is a little bit different. Beginning to get some very positive feedback from some Bone Guard listeners who have already taken the plunge. So they were said, Steve, I was on the fence. I'd seen those ads, but your personal testimonial has pushed me over the top. Let me tell you, I've never felt better about my cologne game at any point in my life than I do right now. A couple of reasons why. Not all these fragrances are not on the shelves. And these are for me. And so they work well with me and what I've got going on. Go take the quiz. You can set up replenishing, refillment, shipments, or you can just go one time only and see for yourself. I work alone every day. I don't know what you guys do. But I encourage you to give them a shot. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a little incentive. Go to hawthorne.co. Again, that's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O. And use promo code Boneyard and save 10% off your first order. Ladies, you may have to take the bull by your hands, but trust me, your man wants to smell nice. 
you may have to take charge of that. Again, give them an opportunity. Promo code Boneyard. Mississippi State, big weekend, uh, not just in recruiting, but in, in men's basketball. And uh, I, I'm getting excited about this men's basketball team. If you were like me, and I figure you are because you're listening to the show, I want Mississippi State to be competitive on all fields of play. And I don't just want to go to the motions. I want to have a legitimate chance to win no matter who we play. For the first time in about a month, I'm beginning to feel like this Mississippi State men's basketball team has figured some things out. You know, we had some really bad losses. I'm not going to recap all that. But what Mississippi State has done in the past three weeks is remarkable. You know, we lose that buzzer beater at LSU. And then we destroy Missouri. We destroy Georgia. And we beat Arkansas, who I think is a very good team. Then we lose a nail-biter at Oklahoma, a game that we got down and had a battle back because we had more talent. I think we, we, we didn't handle the adjustment well early on. Then we go win in Gainesville, and we come home, and we beat Tennessee, who I also think is a pretty good team. That's a good win for Mississippi State. Tennessee, not a great team. It's a much different team than they brought back. Admiral Schofield just always seemed to – we brought the best out of that guy for sure. He is a monster. I'm glad that he is gone. But State wins 86-73. And to be honest with you, even early in the ballgame when Tennessee had a lead, it felt like State was the better team. It felt like we had the better brand of athlete. It felt like we had just we one play away from exploding. And that's what happened. But early on, it seemed that every loose ball found a Tennessee shooter wide open. It's crazy how it works. And to their credit, they knocked them down. State comes out, and our DJ Stewart, man, my goodness. And you guys, have by now, you've seen all this stuff. But uh, career-high 20 points for him. And that's the thing. It, it's so frustrating when State's playing well for opponents. Because you know what you've got in Reggie Perry. You know what you've got in Robert Woodard. And you, you expect Tyson Carter to get some open looks. And, but when you, you can't sag now. When you've got DJ Stewart out there dropping bombs, now all of a sudden it's like, what are you, what are you supposed to do? Reggie Perry, another huge game, and he's the co-SEC player of the week. Reggie Perry is playing his way into SEC player of the year contention every single night. Reggie Perry, 32 minutes of action, stayed out of foul trouble, and one of the fouls called on him was a joke. 10 re- 12 rebounds, pardon me, 24 points, 12 of 15 from the free throw line. What more can you ask of Reggie Perry? He's not turning the basketball over. He's playing a good brand of defense. The guy's playing up to his potential. And there have been so many times that we sign some big-time you know, basketball prospect and they get here and they don't match their hype. That's happened so many times in the last 10 years. Reggie Perry is the real deal. I mentioned D.J. Stewart, 38 minutes of action. 38 minutes. Six of nine from the floor, four of five from the three-point line. We were one of seven at the break. That was the difference in the ballgame. They were knocking down those outside shots. We weren't. DJ perfect from the line, pulls down a handful of rebounds, just two personal fouls. You got to love it, man. You got to love it. All of a sudden, we're beginning to be a threat to score from all five spots on the floor. Robert Woodard, 35 minutes, 7 of 10 from the floor. Pulls down a couple of boards. And you know what? That's When, when we're out rebounding another team as significantly as we did in that ball game. We out-rebounded them 36-24, and you only get a couple from Robert Woodard. That tells me the guards are, are doing their job to get on the glass. 14 points for Robert. 
Nick Weatherspoon, who I thought was really undervalued in this ball game, I think, you know, because DJ was the headliner and Reggie had another big night. I don't know that Nick got enough appreciation for the night that he turned in. 35 minutes of action, and he has become a different player in the last few weeks. I mean, an absolute different player. 35 minutes, four or five from the floor, distributed the basketball, hit down, hit a three, perfect from the line, eight rebounds, eight rebounds, nine assists, 11 points, two boards and an assist away from a triple-double. And nobody really talked about it. But I tell you what. He was everywhere. He was active. Even even when he wasn't the guy pulling a rebound, he's crashing the glass. Abdul just is still a role player for State. I thought he really impacted some things on the defensive end. I, I thought they were very careful around him. Abdul will do 21 minutes, knocks down a couple of baskets, hits a couple of free throws. Matter of fact, his free throws gave State the lead for good late in the ballgame. Eight rebounds, pardon me, six rebounds. Couple of assists too. How about that? How about your five dishing out a couple of assists? Only turned the ball over once. And again, we get eight points out of Tyson Carter, and he's 0 from the three point line, and uh, we still win pretty handily in the ball game. Bulldogs will be back in action Tuesday night in Lexington, Kentucky. When we talked about this five game stretch, that's the one I think we all kind of assumed. Hey, that's that's the one we're not going to win. After seeing how Kentucky has played as of late. I don't know that we can, con, you know, concede that ball game. You know, I, I still think it's difficult to go win in Rupp Arena. I mean, let's not let's not get over our skis here and get caught up in a rational exuberance. Kentucky's still a great team. They lose to Auburn on the road at Auburn on Saturday, and uh, game day was there. I really thought Auburn did a good job knocking down shots early, but you know, State went up there and played pretty well last year at Kentucky. So I don't think we're going to be intimidated by the environment. I also think that we're playing with a lot more confidence now than they are. They may be a little more talented than us, but I don't think Kentucky is quite what they have been. And I can promise you Mississippi State is not quite what we've been. So let's go up here and see what happens. Now, Saturday, Mississippi State will host Vanderbilt, and your 1996 Final Four team will be honored at that ballgame. So that'll be a nice moment. And please come out and, uh, and cheer for them. But again, interesting. This were two games into that five-game stretch that I felt would de- define the season. State currently two and zero. Feel like we needed to win three of the five. We have a realistic chance of winning four of the five, and and with a little luck tomorrow night, some good officiating, a possibility of winning all five. There was there was a great environment Saturday at Humphrey Coliseum. I mean, a great environment. I, I really, really, really thought our fans, and namely our students, did a, did a great, great job. It makes a difference. When DJ Stewart hit a couple threes and then, and then forced him to call a timeout and the crowd took over, it, it reminded me of, uh, you know, days of old, you know, when the hump was was a rocking place and you didn't want to bring a team in here and play because we would absolutely get after you. And uh, that's how it felt Saturday. So my hope is that we'll have uh, you know, some big – I hope the biggest crowds are to come. Got, you know, a couple more ball games here at home uh, in the month of February. Just three home games left in the month of February, and we just started February. I mean, it seemed like January was the longest month of our lives because of all this coaching search stuff. I mean, it seems like forever since we played the Music City Bowl. I mean, forever. But again, we'll have uh, Vanderbilt Saturday, and then the next home game is February 19th against South Carolina, and then we take on Alabama February 25th. Those are the only home games for, on the men's side for the month of February. We need to get all three of those for sure. I mean, we're 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 in the second half of the schedule. 
And so you got to protect the home floor. But stayed in a much better position now. You know, we played our way back into the NCAA tournament field. Now we've got to stay there. 14-7 and seven overall, 5-3. and three. I was very, very reluctant to get back on board after a couple bad losses in a non-conference, knowing we were facing an 0-3 start. But something has changed with this team. And so I hope you'll turn out and be a part of it. Mississippi State women back in action tonight. I'm excited for that one because, number one, we haven't seen them at home in a little while. You know, we'll have uh, – I guess we had the Auburn game up here. But, uh, you know, the women uh, will take on Georgia tonight. That is a 6 p.m. tip. State 19-3 and three overall and 7-1 and one in the conference. A lot, a lot to play for still. And uh, I think that's one of the things that um, – we're most excited about is that uh, there's still so much of the season left to play out. Still figuring out kind of who we are. We haven't played exceptionally well, but we played well enough to win. And that's really all you need at this point. You, again, let's like that Auburn game. You learn the lesson without losing a ball game. So we had the, the weekend off and now the ladies will be back against Georgia before they hit the road to Tennessee. This Georgia team early on, I think many of us thought that they had the potential to be a tournament team. They're now 12-9 and nine and 3-5 and five in the conference, and they've lost two in a row. Um, you know, State went down there and beat them pretty good at their place, 73-66. And we have not always played well at Georgia. But we did find a way to win that ball game. And, again, I don't know, maybe perhaps Georgia's not the team we expected them to be. They lose the next week to, uh, to Vanderbilt and then to Tennessee pretty, pretty badly. They take down Auburn. Take down Arkansas, kind of right the ship. Blown out by South Carolina, and then they lose a one-point game to A&M at College Station. So they'll come in here a little bit desperate. They'll come in here a little bit fired up and uh, and ready to go. I just think Mississippi State's simply too good uh, for them. you got to find a way to win this game. Looking at the SEC standings, and we didn't touch on this the other day, but, uh, you know, Ole Miss set an, an NCAA record for fewest points and a half against South Carolina. And a lot of people were saying, well, it's South Carolina. L let, me, let me let me point out a couple things here. L and, I, and I don't mean this to throw shade at Ole Miss. You guys know my policy. Ole Miss is not good at sports, and, and they continue to prove me right. But I think some people are giving South Carolina too much credit for winning that game the way that they did. South Carolina, from a roster standpoint, they played against what I believe is the least talented team in the SEC. They've had some recruiting losses. They've had uh, some injuries at Ole Miss. They were not expected to be a good team. They weren't expected to contend for the tournament. They weren't even expected to, to have a winning record this year. South Carolina was. And uh, I think many of those Ole Miss players were kind of understanding this is going to be a long year. And so I say that not to throw shade at Ole Miss, but to say that this South Carolina team remains very, very, very beatable. I wish we had an opportunity to play them in Starkville. But uh, if we have the opportunity to play them in an SEC tournament on a neutral floor, I kind of like our chances. So running down the SEC women's standings against South Carolina, number one in the country and, and in the SEC, 9-0 in the conference, 21-1 overall. State right behind them, 7-1, should be 8-1 after tonight. Got a hold serve. Tennessee at 7-2. And, and then there's a log jam. Tennessee, I mean, pardon me, A&M. Arkansas, Kentucky, LSU, all right there at 6-3. and three. This is going to be a defining week, though, for this race because State's going to go to Tennessee uh, on Thursday. 
after you get out of LSU, you've got Georgia, Alabama, Florida, all right there with three wins. Vanderbilt, Auburn, Mizzou, two and seven. And then Ole Miss, 0 and nine. And uh, the Lady Rebs dropped a, a heartbreaker to, to Alabama. Pretty bad Alabama team. So Auburn, Missouri, Ole Miss, all with losing records. And remember, last Thursday, that, that Auburn team, and again, that's not a good matchup for us because of the fact they want to get out and run and get in transition and not run a half-court offense. Uh, they gave State some trouble. And so because of that, I think you're going to see some people try to press the issue uh, with State. But we'll see what happens. I, I, I'm excited about the ball game tonight, excited about what is to come uh, for this team. We're going to see a lot of the women here the next uh, week. Again, tonight at tonight here, hosting Georgia, we go to, to, uh, to Tennessee and turn right back around and play on Sunday before we get a break, get a little bit of a break off. we got a week off before we go to Kentucky. So that's where we are with all of that. I want to remind you to Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of the show, Stand a man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, who gets lovelier by the day. They'll, they'll take care of you. They'll treat you like family because you are family. They're excited when you when you walk in and the door swings. There's all so much great merchandise to choose from there. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. And as you guys know, BSR stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Makes it easy to remember. Remember how pretty I am, and you can save your shipping cost uh, on your orders there at Campus Bookmark. Again, that's campusbookmark.net, promo code BSR. So let's uh, let's finish up a couple things here. There is, there's a lot of discussion out there about Mississippi State baseball and the polls and uh, – you know, what, what we're going to be, what we're not going to be, and all that kind of remains to be seen. But there is a consensus that Mississippi State is going to be a team that should host a regional and have an opportunity to play their way to Omaha. I agree with that assessment. Uh, I don't know that anybody, quote, has us in their aid for Omaha because there are still so many questions about pitching. But offensively, this is a team that is expected to do really well. We expect to score runs on anybody. And so February 14th, we're going to kick off a three-game series against Wright State. So come bring your Valentine's date out. Come spend time with us. We're going to get started at 4 o'clock. So for those of you that uh, want to come to the ball game and then maybe, uh, you know, slip off for uh, some romantic activities, you can still have time to do that. But uh, nothing is more lovely than spending time at Dirty Noble Field. And, and I'll be honest with you guys. If you're hooked up with a girl that's not somebody that appreciates college baseball, it might be time to get back on Tinder. Uh, so three-game series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday against Wright State. Don't know what to expect from Wright State, but I, I have a really good chance to uh, to talk about Mississippi State baseball. And so when I look at this team and I begin to see this thing coming together, I think, you know, one, we're going to be a better offensive team one through nine, despite the fact that we lost Jake Mangum. And what I mean by that is, is I think we're going to get better production in the bottom third. You don't replace Jake Mangum. You, you just don't. You're not going to be able to produce, replace that production. But I think you can be better as a team. And I think Jake would probably admit that. I think there are some people around him that played last year that are set to kind of make a jump. And I talked with Crystal Monis a while back about, you know, do you expect Justin Foscue and those guys to make a jump this year. Well, he believes that the, the jump has already been made 
Now it's about them kind of rounding out their game. But there are some other guys out there, you know, possibly like a Josh Hatcher. And we're seeing Josh make a big jump here in the fall. Those are the things that excite me is you've got some experienced guys that understand what it takes to win that haven't played their best baseball yet. And so you know what to expect from Tanner Allen. You know what to expect from Jordan Westberg. And I continue to hear and see that he is uh, playing defense at an elite level. That There are so many people out there in Major League Baseball circles that will tell you Jordan Westberg has first-round talent. If he puts it all together this year, Mississippi State has a chance to be very, very good. Third base is still going to be a back committee thing. And that'll be okay. We'll figure that out. But we got some other guys out there. Uh, Brandon Pimentel is a guy that was either going to DH and play first some with Josh. Uh, he's a guy that has power. He's a guy that can make people hurt. And so the pieces are there for this team to be very, very, very successful. I'm looking forward to talk a lot more about baseball. Uh, we got a notification today. It's when we go by and pick up our credentials. I, I can barely contain my excitement because I believe this is going to be a special team. I think last year, if you recall, we went to Omaha in 18, and people basically labeled it a fluke. There were a lot of people in college baseball circles that said, eh, you know, they kind of just got hot at the right time. And you know what? That was probably a fair assessment. But to suggest that we were going to take a step back in 19, I thought was a little bit short-sighted and show that there are a lot of the, the national people in college baseball weren't really – uh, in tune with what was happening in Starkville. You go back last year and you think, okay, well, could they be a better team without Jake Mangum? Could they be a better team without Ethan Small? I don't know if we could say, you know what, we're a better team without those guys in the order because you've got a, you know, a dominant Friday night guy, and I think Ethan Small might have been the most dominant Friday night guy in the SEC last year. But I think JT Ginn can match that same production as far as wins and losses goes. And it's all going to ride on what happens with guys like Eric Sarantola. I think Christian McLeod, I think Christian's a guy that will be a winning pitcher this year. I think Christian's one of those guys because he has major league size and stuff, is going to make that one-two combo. And if you go back and think about the 2016 team, you knew what you had on Friday and Saturday night. You knew Dakota Hudson was going to bring you a major league effort on Friday night. We expected him to win on Friday nights. And, and you know what? He had very little of a career resume before 2016. I think he had thrown 16, 17 innings, maybe. I mean, he hadn't thrown much at all. Then you trot, you, you trot Austin Sexton out there, and this this is a guy, too, that didn't have overpowering stuff, but he could change your eye level, and he and he was so sneaky out of that arm slot. He could throw all the all, all three pitches from the same arm slot, so he could mix and match so much to keep you off balance. But you expected to win Friday and Saturday, and then maybe on Sunday uh, with Pilk, who eventually became the, the third starter. Uh, you know, Zach was another guy, too, that kind of bounced around a little bit down there. But it took a while for us to find. We couldn't finish off series. We'd win Friday, Saturday, and we couldn't couldn't get the sweep. But yet we still found a way to go win the SEC. I think that 2016 team will go down, arguably, is maybe the second greatest Mississippi State team that didn't go to Omaha behind the 89 team, who is still, in many respects, the gold standard for Mississippi State baseball. And so I see 
this is a team that has a lot of those same offensive pieces, but there are a lot of unknowns with the pitching staff. And if we can get anywhere close to the production that we got in 16, and and re, or for that matter, even 18, uh, we're going to be a difficult out for anybody. No matter who we take on, we're going to have an opportunity. To, I think we can hit anybody. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of guys out there that can consistently get Mississippi State out. And so if we're able to get them out, uh, we're going to have an opportunity to get in some bullpens and kind of ruin some people's ERA. I really believe that. And I think this is a chance to have a real special year. And so if I had to call it today, and a lot, it always depends on matchups, but if State can stay healthy pitching-wise, I think State's back in Omaha. We've never been to Omaha three years in a row. I think we have a team capable of doing that especially considering the fact that, uh, there, listen, there has been a change in baseball. I'm going to get to some of that after we get through signing day. There has been a change in the SEC with so many players moving around and moving on. And uh, I think that State is kind of ripe for a run right here. And I think the way the schedule breaks out, too, I mean, there's, we're going to have to get a couple road wins here and there. But, uh, you know, I think getting A&M here is big. We're going to have to go try to steal one at OSU or South Carolina. And those are difficult places to play. But I think we have an opportunity to be a great baseball team this year. And that's what we expect at Mississippi State. And at the level that we're recruiting right now, it looks to be something that we can sustain for the foreseeable future. Of course, you got to stay healthy. There's so much of that that's impacted you know, by health. But Mississippi State has the talent to compete for an SEC championship and compete for a national championship this year. It's always about next year or the next year, or just wait till this kid gets here. We have the pieces right now to make a run for an NFL championship because I believe some of our some of our most uh, fierce competitors are in, in kind of a little bit of a transition year. So that's how I see it. So Wednesday, let me give you some guys, yeah, again, some, uh, some I, I hope not to be too late, but we're going to get through signing day, and we'll get to that Mike Leach press conference, and then we'll have the show on Wednesday. So once Leach is finished, I'm going to come home and we'll get started, and then we'll have the show up. But, again, not expecting any drama on Wednesday. I, my hope is it's a very uneventful day when it comes to that. There's no surprise. Any surprise that we could have on Wednesday is of a negative variety. So we just want to get this thing done, get excited about our lot in life, and get into spring football. If you hadn't done so, please go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com. You can order Flim Flam and Stark Villains there, and just so you guys know, I've already begun the interview process for Stark Villains 2. So we'll have another book out for you later this year. I know I know people are thinking, well, Steve, I haven't even had a chance to get Stark Villains 1 yet. Well, you better go get it because I'm going to start stacking Mississippi State books up. I'm going to start getting – I'm going to have Mississippi State literature for you guys uh, for the foreseeable future. And so you don't want to get behind. You don't want to get think of, well, you know, he'll slow down for a while. Uh, I, I'm not one of those kind of people. So now that we've got uh, – you know, the success of Stark Villains, which has been on the Mississippi bestsellers list uh, every week since its release now. I guess that's what, uh, three and a half months. Back on there again this past week. So, so go jump on board with that, and you can buy your Stark Villains gear at StarkVillains.com. Please go buy, support both of those sites, and uh, please support the people that support me. Be glad that you did. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.